Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life. Y'all are seating too early back there. What you doing? You sitting down? You're like, I'm going to sit down now. I'm just kidding. You guys can be seated. I'm just messing with you. That song, Rattle, is based off a story in the book of Ezekiel, and it's Ezekiel chapter 37, but before I get to that, I I don't know, has anybody ever read the book of Ezekiel? Anybody? Be honest. Just, it's okay if you haven't. I mean, it's not really okay, but if you haven't. Ezekiel is a wild book. Really, it's crazy. Ezekiel was a prophet And prophets in the Old Testament were kind of weird. Like, if they were here today, we would would definitely think they were psychopaths. Like, they were some weird dudes. And um, Ezekiel was a prophet for God. He lived around the 6th century B.C. And uh, when he was 25 years old, he, along with about 10,000 others, were exiled in the first Babylonian attack. And so the temple had been destroyed. The people had been banished from their land. In chapter one of Ezekiel, it starts with like the most complex prophetic calling in the Old Testament. So God's calling him to become this prophet and God's giving him these visions. It's super in-depth and complex. And God gives Ezekiel these, these visions, a series of visions. And Ezekiel sees these crazy things like, humans that are like part animals and he sees like wheels within wheels and he sees fluttering wings that sound like an army and it's kind of crazy because then Ezekiel was commanded to eat and digest a scroll as part of God's prophetic calling on his life and I'm so thankful God didn't make me do that that would be super weird But it's awesome because the entire book of Ezekiel is about Ezekiel preaching repentance to a a backslidden and a rebellious uh, people. And so if you read it, you have to read through it all. And I I recommend reading Ezekiel in two ways. Read Ezekiel with something that is called the Life Application Bible because it gives you footnotes to help you understand what you're reading. And that's a great way to do it. And then if you have the Bible app, you can read it on the Bible app too. And that can also give you some some help notes. But but Ezekiel was was great. Like Ezekiel would have been like the modern day like illustrated sermon. You know, like there's preachers, they like to like illustrate stuff. And sometimes I do that, I'll illustrate with something visual. This guy was on a whole nother level. Like, he was the human preaching illustrator. In fact, one time, God goes to Ezekiel, and he tells Ezekiel, he says, lay on your left side for 390 straight days. So I thought I would do it at least for a second. And he says, lay on your left side for 390 straight days. This represents every year that Israel has been rebellious and sinful. Then God tells him to flip over to his left side. And I did this totally backwards, but I did it. I did it for you guys so it looked right. And so he's looking on the left side and he says, this represents the rebelliousness of Judah for every year that they've rebelled. So I don't know about you, that's pretty extreme. Like, I like to illustrate, but I'm not going to lay on my side for 390 straight days just to get a point across 
to a rebellious people. There was another time where God tells Ezekiel to shave his beard completely. His beard, you know, shave his beard, shave his head. And he's like, I want you to shave it all off and put it into three piles. So he does. And God says, okay, that first pile, I want you to burn it. The second pile, I want you to chop it into pieces. And the third pile, I want you to scatter it around. And this was a message to Israel that a third of you, you're going to die from famine. A third of you are going to die by the sword. And a third of you are going to be scattered. And so I thought about shaving my beard off for this sermon and even shaving my head. But then I thought, you know, I'm not a prophet. I'm just a pastor. So, and, and then I thought I definitely would not be good looking at all. I mean, not that I'm good looking, but I really would be ugly with a bald head and a bald face. My media team took my beard off and my hair off and they, they came up with what I would look like. And so I, I'm telling you, it's ugly. So it's, it's. For those of you that don't know, that's my right-hand man, Pastor Andre Wadsworth. Let's give him a round of applause because he's just a great guy. But it's funny because he was just an illustrated sermon. And that's really the book of Ezekiel is he's like dramatizing Jerusalem's fall. And it's interesting because the reality is about Ezekiel is that it is a book of hope. It is a book of hope. If I could sum up the book of Ezekiel in short sentences, it would be this, that it's a message of hope because nobody is ever too far gone for God to take you back. That's a message of hope. It's a message of repentance, which doesn't feel good to hear, but it is good because repentance is hope. That's what it is, that we have a God who will take us back no matter far how far we drift or have ran away from him. That God loves us no matter how much we lose our love for him. That God forgives what humans consider unforgivable. That nobody is too broken for God to put back together. That nobody has failed so bad that God won't forgive them. That's the book of Ezekiel. It's just told in really strange ways. But with that, I, I wanted to read Ezekiel 37 because this is the song we just sang about. And I'm going to read 14 verses. It's a little bit lengthy, but all 14 verses are important. And so I'm going to read them all. So if you look at it with me, open your Bibles, turn on your Bibles, turn on your Bible apps, get ready. Get ready. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. I'm ready. I'm ready too. So let's do this. Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones. Verse 1, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of dry bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great Many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Verse 4, then he said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. And you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover your skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and the tendons and the flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. 
Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into the slain that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I'm going to bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land then you will know that I the Lord have spoken and I have done it declares the Lord I have done it declares the Lord I have done it declares the Lord I've titled my message today won't he do it won't he do it? How many know God's going to do it? God's going to do something big in your life. God's going to do something. Find the most spiritual person you can find sitting around you and tell them God's going to do it. Come on, tell the most spiritual person you could find. Find the least spiritual person around you. Find them and tell them, I don't know if God's going to do it for you. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? He's going to do it. Impact family, I can feel it in my spirit. He's going to do it. 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 God told me to tell you that there are some dead things in your life that he is going to bring back from the dead. God told me to tell you that there are some dry things in your life that he is going to saturate with the power of his Holy Spirit and it is going to grow again. That joy that dried up, that peace that dried up, that dream that you thought was dead, that relationship that you thought was over, God's going to bring it back to life. He's going to bring it back to life. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but God kind of specializes in bringing dead things back to life. It's his specialty. It's what he's known for. It's what made him famous. It's what he does. Do you remember in the book of Luke 7, Jesus raised the widow's son back to life? I would have loved to have been there. You remember in Mark 5, in Matthew 5, I'm sorry that Jesus raised Jairus's daughter back to life and then in John 11 Jesus raised his good friend Lazarus back to life but most importantly after he was crucified and being laid in the tomb for three days Jesus conquered death hell and the grave and he too was resurrected back from the dead see God wants to resurrect some things in your life God wants to water and saturate some things in your life. And so before we move on, I'm going to pray. If you'll bow your heads with me. Thank you, Lord, for this great word. We thank you for your word. It is good to us. And we thank you for the, the words of wisdom and the words of life and the roadmap and just the encouragement, God. We pray that you would speak to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say amen. amen. Let's give one more round of applause for our worship team this morning. I want to spend the next few minutes looking at the first four verses in Ezekiel chapter 37. The first four verses. We're going to zoom in on these first four verses and look what verse 1 starts by saying. He says, the hand of the Lord was on me. Would you read that out loud with me? The hand of the Lord was on me. First service had you beat. Let's read it a little louder. The hand of you know you want God's hand on your life because God's hand represents God's favor. 
God's favor on your life. God's hand was on Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord was on him. You want God's hand on your life because God's hand represents God's favor. And God's favor can accomplish in one single day what you've been trying to accomplish for decades. God's favor, one drop, one drop, one drop of God's favor, it can surpass a lifetime of labor. God's favor is the game changer for your life. You want God's favor desperately. Favor takes you farther than money. Favor takes you farther than intelligence, farther than your good looks, farther than especially your good looks. Favor, it takes you farther than your network, your connections. You know, we say life's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Life is not about what you know, it's about who you know. Life's not about what you know, but it's about who you know. That God opens doors of favor on your life. See, God's favor is better, it's greater than the greatest resume you could ever put together. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is God's hand is on my life. God's favor will take you from the back to the front, from the bottom to the top. God's favor sets you apart and gives you a special thing that most people don't have. It's God's favor. And I want to give you the secret to God's favor because there is a secret to winning God's favor. God's favor follows God's faithful. God's favor follows God's faith. How many would love to have more of God's favor in your life today? I certainly would. God's favor follows God's faithful. Now, I know some of you are like, I don't know, PT. I mean, I feel like I got a lot of favor in my life, and I'm quite the mess. I don't really faithful to God, that's for sure. Hey, maybe it has nothing to do with you. Maybe the favor on your life is because your mama was faithful to God. Maybe because your daddy or your grandparents were faithful. Because one thing I've learned about favor is that it overflows. Favor overflows. Favor is not stingy. Sometimes you're just riding on the favor of somebody else in your life that prayed God's goodness on your life. But what I want to tell you today is if you want more favor, God's favor follows God's faithful. Say it out loud. God's favor follows God's faithful. Let, let's look at these first two verses again. Let's keep reading. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry man i read this passage i don't know a hundred times this last week and when i read these first two verses i started thinking that sometimes sometimes god has to get you to the valley to give you his vision sometimes He's got to get you into the middle of the valley so he can impart his vision into your life. See, God wants to give you a vision. God wants to give you a spirit. So he was led by the spirit. God wants to give you a spiritual vision for your life. Listen, if you're in a valley today, I got a word for you. Pay attention. God is trying to show you something. He is trying to teach you some things. He is trying to direct your life. And then I started thinking about it and I said, well, I don't know if I like that. Maybe I'll go without the vision if I got to go to the valley. Why do I got to go to the valley? Because God, I'm open to receiving a vision on the mountaintop or even the plateau. But the valley... Because y'all know about valleys. 
Because I've been that valley so many times in my life. It's somewhere I never want to go again. Have you ever been somewhere and then you check that off? I'm never going there again. That's the way the valley is for me. I don't ever want to go, God, to the valley again. So God, why is it the valley? Because I know about the valley. When I'm in the valley, that's when I feel all alone. And that's when it's dark. And that's when it's lonely. And that's when it's quiet. And listen, it's in those valleys where you can feel all alone. And you can feel like nobody, nobody else is with you. Nobody understands you. Nobody else can feel what you feel feel or comprehend even what you're trying to tell them but I've learned this about my own valleys is that it's in the valleys where you feel isolated but the truth is God has you insulated insulated from the noise and the distractions and all the other things from this world so that God can clearly speak his word to your life. See, sometimes God has to get you to your lowest low so you'll look up to the most high. Sometimes it takes a valley. God desperately wants to impart his vision into your life. God takes Ezekiel to the middle of the valley. It's a valley full of dry bones. He uses another word, very dry bones. I don't know how a bone is more dry than dry, but these bones were very dry. And he said, Ezekiel, these bones represent Israel, my people, the bones, the dryness, the death, Israel, they are spiritually dry. They have become spiritually dead. That's the word I have for them. They are dry. They are dead. But what I love most is this wasn't the end of the vision. This was just the beginning of the vision because it wasn't going to stay that way because God said, I'm going to do something big. I'm going to do it. And listen, you don't have to stay there either. You don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to stay how you are. God wants to do something big in your life. And I feel it in my spirit that he's going to do it. 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 Look at somebody and tell them he's going to do it. Come on. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Then in verse 3, this is cool. He goes, son of man. Now, I just, before we continue, don't over-spiritualize the phrase son of man. I don't know why he decided, son of man, he could have called him anything. Could have said Ezekiel. He could have said Zeke. He could have said Easy E. But he says, son of man. And so don't, don't, don't overcomplicate it. He's saying, human, listen. Human, listen to what I'm saying. Human, listen to the sovereign. Lord God Almighty, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Hey, listen, in case you didn't already know, anytime God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. Right? If God asks you a question, he's not looking for your answer. He's looking for your attention. Pay attention. Think about this for a minute. I want you to consider something. I want you to ponder something. I want you to meditate on something. Son of man, can these bones live? And I love Ezekiel. Real talk. Talk about real talk. I don't know. <laughs> Only you know God. Only you know God. Only you know God. I have no idea. Only you know. You know what I've learned is that it is good news that I don't know everything, but God knows everything. That's good news for my life, that God is all-knowing. Listen, God knows everything about your life. He knows tomorrow. He knows next week. He knows next year. God can see 
all at the same time. Your past, your present, and your future. To you, that's freakish. Like, how? That's not, I don't even know if I believe in God because that's a hard one to comprehend. I always get kind of puzzled when people like try to think their way into believing in God or they try to like science their way into believing in God or they try to whatever, logic their way into believing in God. Do you know in the church world, in the Bible, we call it a step of faith. You know, faith makes zero sense to the human mind. None. It's illogical. So you, you step out in faith. If you walk by faith and not by sight, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, says in Romans 10, 9, then you will be saved. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that if you believe if you believe it's a step of faith, it's faith. Faith doesn't always make sense. Faith is faith because I don't understand it all, but God understands all of it. And he can see the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. Imagine you're on the I-10 and you get into a traffic jam. Anybody ever been on the I-10 and you've been in a traffic jam? 17, 18 of you out of a few thousand, that's fine. So I've been in traffic jams. Two weeks ago, we came home from a spring break from California, and there's this lie in our culture that there's this location called the happiest place on earth. And I just want everybody to know that's a lie from hell. It is not the happiest place on earth. It is the most stressful, overrated, line-waiting, I mean, it, it, is, it is not the happiest place. God's presence is the happiest place on earth. When I'm in the middle of the presence of God. So I went on vacation. And then we came home and on a Sunday night and we got to about Buckeye because we drove. We get to Buckeye and all of a sudden we're stopped on the I-10. Stopped. Not rolling stopped and after the first hour I started to lose my mind <laughs> after the first hour he's just like what is going on down there what is going on not my wife she's in prayer and compassionate Jesus mode well I hope everybody's okay pray for their safety I'm like get them to freak off the road <laughs> then let's pray for their safety But when you're in the traffic, you can't see ahead of you. You can only see three, four, five, 15 cars. Uh, imagine being above the I-10 in a helicopter. And you can see the beginning of the jam, the middle of the jam, and the end all at the same time. See, God has a bigger perspective than you. He sees higher. He sees farther. He has a much better perspective. That's why God being all-knowing is good news. Because the Bible says that God loves you and he cares for you. So if he loves you and cares for you, that means if I'm going through a valley in five years, he knew it was coming. He knew why it was coming. He saw it coming, but he also sees it going because the valley's never the finale. It's only a beginning or a middle but it's not the end. I want to read to you what David said in the book of Psalm about God and his wisdom and being all-knowing. Verse 16 of chapter 139, he says, The days allotted to me had all been recorded in your book before any of them ever began. We have such limited perspective in our own lives we have limited understanding, limited wisdom. Even the like wisest, smartest, most intelligent, knowledgeable people are really stupid compared to God. He's all-knowing and unlimited in his understanding. That's why David also said in Psalm 147 verse 5, he said, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding, it has no limit. 
This is also why Isaiah, the prophet, said in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, he said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. See, God is not limited by time. You and I, we think in terms of there's a beginning and an end. We can't even comprehend anything other than that because that's all we've known. Bless you. It's a COVID, sounded COVID sneezy-esque. Just saying, it's, it was going around in the first service. We'll blame them. Three people sneezed in the first service. It's probably COVID. I'm sure it is can't possibly be allergies. It's definitely a variant. We had COVID. Then we had what we had. We had Delta. Then we had the Alpha and the Omega. Then we had Omicron. Then we had in Jesus' name be gone. And now whatever that one, we got to come up with a name, whoever sneezed, but that's the newest variant. So he says, my ways are, are higher than, than your way. God is smarter than you. Tell somebody next to you, he's definitely smarter than you. He is absolutely smarter than you. What I personally love most about God knowing everything and seeing everything is that nothing you went through in your past took God by surprise. Nothing that you're going through today caught God off guard. Because sometimes it can feel like that. Like, yo, Lord, you there? You see my whole world falling apart? You ever feel like that? I do. It's okay to feel like that. It's okay. Job felt like that. Read the book of Job. Some of you need a job. Read the book of Job. <laughs> Pray for God to open the door. It's okay to feel like that, but that's what I love about God being all-knowing is that he knew it was coming. And that comforts me because I know he loves me. Well, let's look at the fourth verse here. That's a dry cough. <laughs> Verse 4. Then he said to me, I love this part. This, to me, this is where it gets exciting. This is where it gets exciting. Then he said to me, prophesy to these... <laughs> He says, prophesy. I just can't get over the cough. I can't. I can't. I'm having, I'm having a moment. I got stuck. <laughs> prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This, this is where it, this to me gets crazy because he, he says, prophesy. Prophesy. You know what prophesy means? Because the church has made this all like really weird, but it's not weird. It's very simple. Prophet, we was like, oh, he's a prophet. He can read the future. Like he can't. <laughs> they, they can't. They can't. Prophet, prophecy doesn't mean I'm going to tell you the future per se. What prophesy means is to speak the truth. Speak the truth. Okay, why does that matter? Because there's only a couple things in your life that are actually true. One is Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. There ought to be more than four hand claps for that. This is not golf. This is not golf clap time. <laughs> 
I said, Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And nobody gets to the Father. Nobody gets to heaven except through me. He says on the truth. Now, this is important because there's a lot of y'all that you think you got a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of Buddha and a little bit of Muhammad, and it doesn't work like that. And so religions from around the world have infiltrated the idea of Christianity. You can't rub a little Buddha belly and do nothing for you. I'll do nothing for you. You understand what separates the religion, the religion of Christianity from all the rest? It's because all the rest had a leader who's still dead. That's what separates. That's the difference. That's the difference is that God has risen. He has risen from the dead. So this is good stuff. I'm just getting started. Point four is longer than the entire message. No, I'm just kidding. He says, prophesy to these bones. Speak the truth to these bones. I claim the name of Jesus. I proclaim the name of Jesus. I declare the name of Jesus over these dead things in my life. I declare the name of Jesus over this dead relationship, over this dead marriage. I proclaim the truth, the truth. Jesus, I, and then there's another thing that, that, that we know is true, and that is God's word. God's word is truth. In fact, let me read you what a scripture says in the book of John 17, 17. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So let me tell you what it means to prophesy over these bones, Ezekiel. Prophesy, Impact Church, over the dead things in your life. Prophesy, prophesy, Impact Family. To prophesy means that you align with Jesus Christ and God's word, the truth, and you start to open your mouth and you start to declare and proclaim until what you are seeing looks like what you are saying. That is what it means to prophesy, that I stop complaining and I start proclaiming, that I stop complaining about all the brokenness in my life and I start proclaiming the breakthrough for my life, that I stop complaining about what could have been and I start proclaiming about what is going to be that I stop talking about how bad things are and I start talking about how good things are going to become prophesy to these bones prophesy speak God's word over your life over your family over your health over your mind over your children over your dreams over your career, I prophesy, I speak life, I speak life. Tell the truth, I speak life. Look at somebody and say, speak life, speak life, speak life. I prophesy. See, listen, the truth, the truth doesn't always mean telling it like it is or even like it was. Sometimes the truth means telling it like it's going to be. Prophesy. Do you guys believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and God's power and the power of words? A few months ago, I preached on the power of our tongues in Proverbs 18, 21. It says this, that death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life. Your mouth, they hold both. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Y'all ready for this? Because this one's going to be a sword that cuts you deep. But it's the sword of the spirit. It's a good cut. 
He says, your words have the power of life and death, but some of you, you're standing in the middle of the valley, looking around, wondering why there's all these dead things in your life. It's because you've been killing them with your words. I told you it was going to cut. Some of your relationships are dead because of you. Because of your words. Some of your marriages, they're dying because of your own words. You say, if you only knew what the other person was, it doesn't even matter what the other person's like. What matters is what you're like and the words that you use. Because that's what we will be held accountable for when we stand before God. Do you know that the Bible says that one day when we stand before God, we will have to give an account for every single word we've spoken? I don't know about you, but that's terrifying for me. But if you speak life, but, but if, but if, you speak life. If you start speaking life, you will start seeing life. If you start speaking life, you will start to see some resurrections. Prophesy. It's the song we just sang. See, I don't know. I watch people, in, especially in church, because... I don't know. Some of y'all will just look at that song entirely different than I do. Because some of you are like, you know, I see how John bones Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got a donut in one hand, Butterfinger coffee in the other. And I'm not kidding. Sometimes I, because I have this big TV on my wall and I watch and I worship in my own little space before I come out and preach. And, and sometimes I see like people like this. And, and, and in my head, I'm thinking they have no idea what this song is trying to do for them. You know, I, I had a meeting with our team, our worship team before the first service and I said, you know, I, I just got to get this out. I got to say it because my wife and I have been talking about it and I've been thinking a lot about it that we just have to remember that like this, this is not about us. Did you guys know this is not about us? This, this is not about Amelia or Daniel or any of the singers or any of the musicians. They're really good. They're really, really good. But you know what? They're even better people. And they don't want you thinking it's about them. They're here to be a vessel to lead us into the presence of God. They're here to be a vessel, a, a, a weapon, a tool that God can use. But see, when I sing that song, all I can think of is things in my life that have dried up or died. And I'm praying that song out loud in melody. I'm praising in melody. I'm prophesying in melody. And it puts a different perspective on the words that you sing. Because, listen, the job that you have, the career that you have, you're not going to have it in heaven. You know what you're going to have in heaven? You're going to have singing and praising. You ought to get used to it now because we're going to be singing and we're going to be praising, and we're going to be dancing. I can tell you, if you stand before Jesus Christ one day like this, I hope I'm there. I hope I'm there. But God wants to not only raise some dead things, he wants to saturate some dry things. He wants to saturate some, some dry things. And you know, I had God speak to me this, this word and it, and it resonated with my own space in life. But he said, just because something looks dead 
It doesn't mean it's dead. It doesn't mean it's dead. In your life, just because something looks like it's over does not mean it's over. And then I started thinking that we all have dead things and maybe you would say, I don't know, PT. <laughs> sure looks dead to me. Like that thing looked dead and buried a long time ago. But I started thinking, what if that thing that you think is dead and buried and gone is actually a seed that has been planted and buried and it's about to start growing in your life. And then I was reminded of John 12, 22, because it says this, Jesus said, truly, truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it only remains a seed, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. But it, if it dies, see, all this talk about God raising the dead, which I'm thankful for, but the reality is, there are some things in your life that need to die so that you can live. There are. So then when a seed germinates, check it out. When a seed germinates, it takes on a new life. And it will never be a seed again. You could take a shovel and dig down and find that seed that you planted, but you'll never find it because it took on a new life and a new form of life. And it's become this beautiful plant, this beautiful tree that produces fruit. And then I started thinking about one of my favorite scriptures. It's one that I learned when I first became a Christian. I was 17 years old, and this thing still hits today. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old has gone, and the new has come. The new has come, the new has come. And then in Galatians 2, verse 20, I love this verse too. I've memorized this probably within the first six months of becoming a Christian. He says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Impact Church, I want you to stand to your feet. Would you do that for me? Stand to your feet. And, and this is what I want you to do for a minute. I want you to close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. I want you to put both hands up in the air toward heaven, toward heaven. Now, I know if you've never done this before, you're like, this is really freaking weird. But I just, I want you to do it for a minute because I've been right there. I've been in church where I had never lifted my hands before. And I remember thinking, this is weird. But this is what I, what I want you to know about this is that the Bible all throughout scripture tells us to lift our hands Lift our hands, you holy people. That's us. To lift our hands. And when I lift my hands, I think of a few concepts. One is I think of, God, I surrender. My hands are up, God, because I surrender my life to you, my relationships to you. I surrender my joy, my peace, my sanity, my life. God, whatever you need. God, I'm yours. Total surrender. The second thing I think about is, I think about how Jesus said we should have childlike faith. And I think of my three kids when they were babies or two or three or five or seven or eight and they would reach their arms up to me and want daddy to hold them. And I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I just need to know that God has me. I just need to know, God, you're holding me. I need to know that you've got me, God. 
I need to know that you've got me. God, that you would pick me up and carry me through. God, that you would pick me up and carry me through this valley. And then the other thing I think of with my hands lifted is I think, God, I got nothing to hide. And even if I did, you'd see it anyway. But God, here I am. Here I am, God, in total surrender with your hands lifted for a minute. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, would you do that right now? I want you to pray with your mouth prophesy with your tongue Jesus today I surrender to you come on do that out loud Jesus today I surrender to you come on do it out loud Jesus today I surrender for you I thank you for dying for me and I want to live for you I thank you for the cross I thank you for unconditional love I thank you for casting my sins into the depths of the sea as far as the east is from the west God I thank you so God, we surrender. And God, many of us are in this valley in life today. So God, I pray while we're in this valley, we put our attention on you. God, that you would speak to us. Speak to us. Speak to us. God, that you would show us. Show us. Give us detailed, vivid visions for our lives, for our future for our families. God, speak to us. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to connect and celebrate with you. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.